The Sunday Review with Tim Graham. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of The Sunday Review. Steve Butterworth from the Neighbourly Foundation will be telling us about the Little Bears Toy Bank Appeal. Anthea Turner is here to share some top tips for prolonging the life of our household appliances and furniture. And the East Grinstead Choral Society's Lawrence Williams reveals what we can expect at their Christmas extravaganza. Plus, Norman Wong will be finding out how homelessness amongst the young is on the increase from charity Centrepoint. Samantha Day is at the launch of the Bluebell Railway's Steam Lights event, as well as chatting to the QVH charity about their Christmas tree appeal. And Carrie Overton discovers how running can be good for your mental health from the East Grinstead Runners, all in the latest edition of the Sunday Review. People across the country are showing the true meaning of Christmas with a heartwarming response to the Little Bears Toy Bank. New or unopened toys and games are being collected at Lidl in Crawley, Hawley and Edenbridge and at stores across the country until the 16th of December. It's all in a bid to support families who are facing a difficult Christmas. To tell us more, I'm joined by Steve Butterworth from Lidl's community partner, Neighbourly. Steve, welcome to the show. What sort of donations are you after? So the most sought after items are toys, games, books, puzzles, arts and crafts, all that sort of stuff. And across a, a range of, of ages, um, as you say, it's you know, new or unopened. They don't have to be uh, have been bought from a little store. Um, but then there's a, a, a toy bank deposit box in every little store where those toys can then be donated. I thought uh, an interesting fact to, to share with you in terms of feedback from some of the, the charitable organisations that we've spoken to is that there's been a real shortage of gifts for children over the age of 12. Um, and this is obviously a, a group that's sort of potentially challenging because they're very much exposed to peer pressure uh, and often are more aware of their situation than, than younger children. So good gifts for that sort of age group are things like cosmetic gift sets, accessories, books, headphones, tech gadgets. But really, you know, it doesn't need to be a grand gesture. You know, a small token can go a long way. And why do you think the toy bank is even more important this year in particular? I guess against the, the backdrop of the cost of living crisis, and we know that food, uh, yeah, the energy crisis, you know, challenges with the cost of heating, I mean, is, they're absolutely critical and a number one priority. But Christmas is a really important time for kids and helping them to feel that they're not missing out makes for happy kids and that, of course, being good for everybody's well-being. So there is that there's that desire to still maintain a, a festive spirit despite the challenging times we're in and once you've collected all the gifts how are they going to be distributed so like you say you know we've got a, a toy bank deposit box in every store and every store across the country uh, has then got a local good cause or local charity that will then come in and collect those toys on a weekly basis. Um, and these good causes are organisations that have already been collecting surplus food from these stores. So there's an existing relationship which exists and and that is a, a year round programme. So this Toy Bank initiative is is building on that existing infrastructure that, that Little have got in place across all of their 940 stores. And so on a weekly basis, toys get collected and then they are uh, they are they are gifted to children that need support within the local areas. And tell us a little bit more about your organisation. So Neighbourly is a platform that connects big businesses, um, not just retailers, but you know, the, the likes of, of, of Little. It's got hundreds of locations across the UK where they want to support 
local charities it can be really difficult to do that at a big scale so the other side of the platform is over 22,000 local good causes that are then able to receive products like toys or surplus food but also financial support and volunteering time from these organizations um you know we work in the financial services sector we work in fmcg working with with big big telcos as well and it's really about how do they activate their social purpose but at a local level and then do that at scale so with a with a connector with a communicator and then we're also able to capture all of the information regarding those programs so it's not just about measuring the input but it's about measuring the outcomes and then most importantly just like this conversation is being able to tell the real human story behind these programs so that you can actually bring to life that positive impact now apart from acting as a collection point i gather Lidl's also supporting yourselves and other charities this year how are they getting involved so they are making a, a donation of £250,000 through the festive period. Um, and, and half of that is going to this toy bank initiative as, as well. Um, but as I mentioned, they also have this daily back of store food surplus redistribution program, which is three, six, five year, uh, days a year. Um, and so they are you know, going to be doing their, their biggest ever amount of food donations through the festive period as, as well. So it's really multifaceted what this programme is all about for Little. Fantastic. Um, where can people go to get some more information on the Toy Bank Appeal? So best place to go is go to little.co.uk forward slash Toy Bank and you can read all about the programme, uh, all about the organisations that are, are being supported and also sort of I have answers to your questions around what can be donated and, uh, and where it is located in store. Steve, thank you so much for joining us today. Brilliant. Thanks for your time. Donation points for Little Bears Toy Bank in Crawley, Hawley and Edenbridge are open until the 16th of December. For more information, as you've just heard, you can visit little.co.uk forward slash toy bank. That's little.co.uk forward slash toy bank, where you can also find out more about Neighbourly and how charities, community groups and food banks can register their interest to receive support this Christmas. We'll post a link on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on Facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. As the cost of living increases, we're all looking for ways to save money. A new study by cleaning and laundry expert Dr Beckman reveals one of the biggest expenses we'll have is replacing household appliances and furniture. So it's only natural that we want to prolong their life for as long as possible. Here to share her top tips with us is television presenter and household hack enthusiast Anthea Turner. Anthea, welcome to the show. One of the most used items in the home is the vacuum cleaner. It gets quite a punishing time of it, and it's the item that gets replaced most often. What's the simplest way of keeping it running for longer? Well, clean it. You know, it spends so much time. Hello, by the way. Hello, Tim. Hello. <laughs> I, feel, I feel we hadn't done that nicety. <laughs> nice to be speaking to you as well. Um, it, I, it's like all these household appliances. And, and Dr. Beckman, as, as you said, have done extensive research on this. And over half the families that were spoken to are actually now, because of the cost of living and everything else, are really worried about big ticket items going wrong. Because to buy a new vacuum cleaner, to buy a new fridge, to buy a new washing machine, it's going to cost a lot of money. It really is. And, you know, now um, I recently, my washing machine um, died after 26 years, 26 years of washing. She did so well. Um, and 
and you know, you, there's not much change. It's about four hundred pounds and odd to get a new washing machine. So a lot of people are worried about these. So the umbrella answer really is you look after your appliances and they will look after you the one that came out top in our survey was actually the washing machine what's the most frightening thing and i'm i'm hazarding a guess that people who are listening now will be going through all their appliances and thinking what can i do without you know if it it goes wrong or you know i have to wait to get to get another one or get it mended or and for me what is it for you tim mine would actually be a washing machine yeah i think mine would be as well yeah i mean the thought of not being able to wash and because there are lots of things you think oh well if the cooker goes wrong i've got the microwave and you know there's takeaways and you know I, I can I can deal with that you know if the dishwasher you think oh no it's okay I can do that old-fashioned thing I can wash it by hand um you know the the, the fridge is a, a, a dodgy one but of course if the fridge goes wrong you just put everything outside don't you god's <laughs> outside waiting for us a friend of mine stuffs everything or it did go wrong at Christmas and she couldn't get anybody out and she stuck it all in the boot of her car and it was amazing how lovely everything still was and how cool it was um so the washing machine seems to be everybody's biggie and um tim because you love your washing machine when was the last time how old is it by the way how old is your washing machine uh it's probably a good 10 maybe 15 years old actually oh, now well when was the last time you cleaned its drum um possibly never maybe inside that washing machine you know how you and i are aging and we can see it on the outside but in the inside we're aging as well and that poor washing machine is going tim can you just clean my drum can you clean my pipes and so what this is genuine this is that you know when you open the um the drawer where you put your products and if you take the drawer out to sluice it out and you look into that tunnel you can see those sort of dark cruddy bits that you can't quite get at and, and it's, it doesn't look pleasant. Imagine, because it's a sealed unit, that's just what you can see. But inside, it's also got a lot of that dirt that you can see. And also, if you're in a, um, a water area, hard water area, which I am because I'm in London, and so I've got hard water problems in it. Um, and if you open the filter or if you go around the seal, again, it's, it's sort of not pleasant. So... To prolong that life, and you think 15 years, you want at least another 10 out of that. So you need to clean the drama. And we reckon um, that if you do it once every two months, you will absolutely prolong the life of your washing machine. So to clean your drum, do you know how to clean the drum? No idea. All right, okay then. This is an easy one. Some, some fancy new washing machines have actually got a drum cleaning cycle but um, yours probably won't have. But what you do is you put it on an hour wash at 60 degrees. And if you go onto the Dr. Beckman website, which is dr-beckman.co.uk, they've got lots of ways that can help it. They've got a whole thing called Service It, which is a deep clean for your washing machine. And although they don't shy away of lots of things that you can use, and people say, well, you can put vinegar in, you can put soda crystals in. They've got special stuff because it's got like a carbon in it, which extracts a lot of that gunky stuff that we don't really like to look at. Um, so you put that in, you put a sachet of that in it, or it's not a sachet, sorry, you pour it in, because I did mine yesterday, um, and you put it on for 60 degrees. Now, I know the other thing that people go, oh, yeah, but, you know, 60 degrees, it costs a lot of money. And But 
not when you consider the life of your washing machine. And, and I asked the team there at Dr. Backman that very question. I said, but how much does it cost? And we, we poked around and we came up with 32 pence. So it cost 32 pence. Um, this is the October price, considering, you know, um, sort of your, your utility costs at the moment. 32 pence to do a 60 degree for an hour. So that, when you consider that, if you're doing that every day, obviously it all mounts up, but you're doing it once every two months and that will absolutely prolong the life of your washing machine. And it will clean it all up. And also you need to clean the seals as well, because if one of the seals goes, which is the one where you, your door is at the front, you and I know to get somebody to come out to buy a seal and then to get somebody to come out to fix it, is again going to cost a lot of money and we don't really want to be doing that. And the only reason that seals go are because they're not cleaned and they're not looked after. And so they end up with the bacteria just rots, rots the plastic. So what are you going to do tonight? I'm going to clean my, my washing machine. Friend, <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, there's, there's, Obviously no, there's nothing else to do. So now I've got a sparkling clean washing machine. How does that apply to some of the other common household appliances like kettles, microwaves and dishwashers? I suppose kettles and things, you know, we, we, we look at our, there's nothing to hide on a kettle. So when we start to see uh, things appearing on a kettle, I say dependent, you know, if you're in a, in a hard water area, you see it very quickly on a kettle. Um, you descale a kettle. You can put vinegar in it. There are obviously other products that you could use, especially if you if you let it go, um, that you can put onto a kettle. Always, I always think, always make sure you slush it out. I have actually forgotten to tell the rest of the household that I'm cleaning the kettle. I put the vinegar in it. I've boiled it up. I thought I'll just leave that overnight, and then forgotten to mention this or even leave a note. And somebody's gone and had a cup of tea, poured them what they thought was a really lovely cup of tea, which tasted of vinegar, which hasn't gone down very well. However, um, I think we can see all those things. You've obviously got, you mentioned a vacuum cleaner there. You know, check the filters on a vacuum cleaner. There's so many things that you can pull apart on a vacuum cleaner and give it a clean. In fact, some of them now, you can even wash the cylinders out. Um, and I do that regularly on mine and the little vents that you've got, you can take those out and you can run them under a warm tap. Um, so I think what we do is we just we forget to do these things, either because we haven't got any time or we just don't think about it. Like you didn't think about doing your drum for no reason, because why would you not necessarily unless somebody mentions it to you? You think of other big ticket items that we've got in our homes. You know, we spend a fortune on our, our sofas and our rugs and our carpets, and then we get a mark on them. And then we, for some reason, think, oh, I'll deal with that later. You don't need ever to have a stain on your carpet. If you deal with it quickly, speed is your friend. Somebody once told me that when I went skiing, speed is your friend. And I really never got my head around it until I did the jump. I digress. Speed is your friend. <laughs> <laughs> the quicker you go, the better you are, <laughs> the more you survive. Um, but it really is with a mark, any mark, even red wine, you can get it off if you do it quickly. Lots of products. Again, there's loads of information on the Dr. Beckman website. Um, if you're not looking for washer information, you can look for stain information. But of course, you know, there are the good old fashioned things that we all have, which is the vinegar, which is the soda crystals. And they all work. But you've, you've got to think, what have I got at hand? 
Um, you know, vodka works, of course it does, because we've all got a bottle of vodka at hand. Um, uh, I've always got some sort of cleaning alcohol in, but if you don't keep that in, you've got to be quick. So what, what, what have you got there? And often, you know, when it comes to, you know, Christmas or if you've got lots of people around, you know, put yourself together a little bit of a, a spot collection um, kit that you know is your go-to kit because as soon as you because if you are thinking oh I've got friends around and we're chit-chatting each oh dear oh I'm sorry oh don't worry I'll deal with that later by the time later has come which is probably the next day then you're not going to get it off then you've got problems and you might end up you know having to get somebody in to come and clean your carpets at vast expense indeed so after all of your years of cleaning years. wizardry <laughs> there. after all of after your years, all of your years What's one of the most memorable hacks that, that you can share with us that is going to change our lives? Oh, my goodness me, to change, hack to change your life. I'm now well, running I'll just through make it slightly less miserable. I, wow, <laughs> slightly less miserable. Get a cleaning lady. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, I think a lot of people talk about ironing. And, I, well, I tell you what, it's tools for the trade. Um, a lot of people talk about iron. Do you like ironing? Do you iron? I iron when I need to. Yeah, exactly. Well, most people most people do, but you can make ironing so much easier for yourself. And and I never understand this that there's you've got somebody who's got you know a, a family, maybe there's four, five, six of you in the family, and you have this rickety ironing board that sort of wobbles as you touch it, and it's quite and it's quite narrow. There's an iron which um, has probably got dirt on the bottom of the iron. It's not particularly a good quality iron. And you expect to be able to iron shirts and do, you know, and turn, everybody is supposed to be able to turn themselves out. Or if you're the person doing the ironing, turn everybody out looking nice and smart. And what I never understand is, and it's like you mentioned vacuum cleaners as well, get really good, get the best you can afford. Don't skim on appliances and things that are going to make your life easier. I have a very wide ironing board, so it makes it a lot easier to iron on it. It's very sturdy. And I invested, and I say invested, in one of those big steam irons. And because I look after it and I descale it, I've had it, for, I can't remember now, I've, I've had it for years and years and years. Um, looking after clothes. We, you know, we spend so much money on clothes, don't we? It doesn't matter whether you've been to Primark or Prada, look after them, look after things. And they really will last and last and last. And we've become this throwaway society, haven't we? Uh, we've, I, I've recently been clearing out and helping with my father, because my mom sadly died at the beginning of the year. And they were a real generation that looked after things and things lasted. Um, and we need to take a little tip out of their book, really. Um, and some people think, oh, you've done those pretty, you know, cleaning things, you know, haven't you got something better to do? If I do cleaning things on my Instagram, there's always some smart person will go, oh, haven't you got anything better to do? You think, actually, just stop right there. No, I am looking after my assets. I'm looking after the things that I have bought. And what bonds all of us together, it doesn't matter whether you rent it or you, you own it, um, is the roof over our head and all the kit that goes in it, which is our nest. So why turn it into some homogenized dumping ground that you don't care about? We should care actually about our home environment and because we spend so much time in it. We really do, don't we? It's like 
like if you see a driver who drives a car, an Uber driver sometimes, and I just always think, you need to clean the inside of this car. You spend all day in this car. Give it a bit of a clean. I have mentioned this. It hasn't gone down very well, but I have mentioned this on occasions. <laughs> you're, like... you're never going to invite me around to your house, are you, Tim, ever? Uh, no, 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 not without a, not without a very... Not without a deep clean first. Um, but I've got so many questions, but we've Go got not not got enough time, I don't think, to go through oh. them all. So, um, Anthea, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to us today and sharing some of your tips. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Nice to talk to you, Tim. Enjoy your evening with your drum tonight. I will. I will. I'll get my scrubbing brush out. Lovely. I love that. It's so sexy in a man. Well, I'm not quite sure how to follow that. You can read top tips for prolonging the lifespan of our appliances and furniture at dr-beckman.co.uk forward slash tips. That's dr-beckman.co.uk forward slash tips. We'll post a link on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. To get us in the festive mood this December, the East Grinstead Choral Society are hosting a Christmas extravaganza at St Swithin's Church. Here to tell us more is the choir's director, Lawrence Williams. Lawrence, welcome to the show. Now, before we chat about the Christmas extravaganza, remind us who the East Grinstead Choral Society are and what you do. Hi, Tim. Thanks so much for having me back on. It's lovely to be uh, back on your radio station for this. Um, we are a choir... We meet at St Swithin's in East Grinstead and uh, we require about 80 members. We don't audition anyone, we welcome anyone who would like to join and we sing a variety of music uh, from ABBA, Sound of Music, all the way through to Haydn, Handel and all the wonderful, wonderful choral music of the past. Now you said anyone is able to join, do they have to have any prior musical training at all? There's a really good question. We get asked this quite a lot. And um, some people think you do. Um, others come in and are really up for the challenge. And we've had uh, about five people join us in the last year with no prior musical experience. And they're still with us and having an absolutely wonderful time. Uh, so just come up for a bit of a challenge. Uh, and I'm sure we will do everything we can uh, to give you a really, really good experience. Now, I understand you try and do a number of performances each year, this latest one being the Christmas extravaganza. How long has this one been in preparation? We've been, unusually, we've been working on this one from September. Normally, we, we do two concerts this term, but this term we'd love to put on a really, really uh, good Christmas concert to get everyone in festive mood. Uh, so we've, we've been working hard on this for now. We're down to our last four rehearsals. Uh, and soon uh, we will be uh, bringing this to the stage. And what can people expect on the evening itself? It's going to be a really, really wonderful evening to get you in that festive spirit uh, in early December. Uh, we're going to have some carols for everyone to sing. There's going to be items you'll know, like Oh Holy Night and Good King Wenceslas. There's going to be some pieces you won't know as well. Um, we're singing a beautiful piece by uh, Haydn uh, called The Mass for St Nicholas, uh, I don't really know how it's related to St Nicholas, but it's called that and um, we'll uh, go with that anyway as a good excuse. Uh, and we are also joined in this concert by St Mary's School Choir, um, who have a fantastic director, Tanya Johnson. Um, she's prepared them and they're going to do some singing with us as well. 
And then one of my favorite, favorite items uh, in the concert is uh, a piece called My Guardian Angel uh, by Judith Weir, who's the composer for, who's the royal composer as it happens. Um, and that in, involves me teaching everyone uh, in the audience a very, very short, easy refrain. Uh, and that then the choir sing a different tune on top of that. So that's one of our, our highlights of uh, the evening as well. Sounds great. So tell us when and where it's all taking place. So it's taking place at St Swithin's Church, uh, which is the main large church in the old town bit of East Grinstead. Um, our tickets are going to be £15. It's taking place on December the 3rd, uh, Saturday, December the 3rd. Uh, at seven o'clock um, and so we'll be able to get you right into the Christmas spirit uh, by nine o'clock. <laughs> Fantastic and how can people get hold of those tickets? Tickets are available online at egcs.co.uk, uh, egcs as in East Grinstead Choral Society um, or uh, you can turn up on the door and there'll be uh, the ability to buy tickets there as well. We're really, really looking forward to having a large audience for this uh, event and um, really helping people enjoy Christmas and give them a, a, the gift of music. And is it too early to ask what you've got planned next for the choir? <laughs> no, not at all. We have to do a lot of planning in advance uh, so we know what we're up to. Uh, next term uh, is a little bit of a self-indulgence of mine because um, uh, I'm also an organist, so I like things being quite loud. So next term, uh, we're going to have a brass group and uh, the organ, and we're going to do Rotter's Gloria, uh, which is a beautiful uh, three-movement piece um, for a really, really impressive fanfare-type piece, uh, along with some other music, famous things like Parry I Was Glad, uh, which is always sung at the coronations and will be obviously very relevant next year. And uh, then after that, we're in summer term, we're going to be in Chequamead doing Gilbert and Sullivan, the Mikado, uh, which is a wonderful, um, it's called an operetta, but to be honest, that makes it sound slightly inaccessible. It's just full of wonderful, wonderful tunes. And I'm really excited for that because we are having soloists uh, coming in who've done the show lots and lots of times. Uh, and so actually they're going to be able to bring a real sparkle to the evening. So those are our plans going forward. It's a nice loud brass and organ concert next term and then the Mikado at Chequamede in summer term. Wonderful. Sounds like a lot of exciting things to look forward to. Lawrence, thanks so much for joining us today and good luck for the upcoming Christmas extravaganza. Thanks so much, Tim. Such a pleasure to be on the show and uh, hopefully we'll see some of you there. As a reminder, the East Grinstead Choral Society's Christmas extravaganza is on Saturday the 3rd of December at 7pm at St Swithin's Church. Tickets are £15 for adults and it's free for children. For more details about the concert and to book tickets, visit egcs.co.uk. That's egcs.co.uk. We'll post a direct link on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on Facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. With new research showing 40% of UK adults aged 18 to 34 are worried about being able to keep a roof over their heads, Norman Wong found out more from Paul Brocklehurst at homeless charity Centrepoint on his lunchtime show this week. Centrepoint works across the country working to end youth homelessness for good. Unfortunately... We're seeing that youth homelessness is increasing at the moment and it's looking like it's going to be a really challenging winter. 
but Centrepoint is there to provide support for young people, first of all, accommodating them, but also giving them life skills and training to make sure that they can then go on and, and lead a fulfilling, independent life. I've had a look at research and I find it worrying that it's predicting that almost 30,000 young people aged between 16 and 25 face homelessness this Christmas. Now, is that predominantly in the southeast or is that across the whole of the UK? It is across the whole of the UK, yeah. We hear calls on our national helpline from, from every part of the country. And it's also, it's not just the big cities, it's small towns, rural areas as well. Obviously, there are some areas like London where you, you do expect and we do see that high volume, but it is unfortunately every part of the country that we're seeing young people facing homelessness this winter. What financial sacrifices are these young people taking? Yeah, I mean, we're hearing about people skipping meals, selling their possessions, going, taking on extra debt. We've heard on the helpline somebody saying that they stopped eating food, limiting themselves to only one meal a day. But then because of that, they couldn't think properly and they were making bad decisions because they just not even able to prioritise food from what limited money they have. That, that is a real concern. What percentage are worried about how they can afford to pay their rent and mortgages as well? So, is, it, is it quite high? I mean, increasingly, yeah, people are really struggling with their bills. People are finding that as not just the rent's going up, but also the electricity bills and even the cost of food, inflation is getting higher and higher. And increasingly, people are finding it really difficult just to, to keep their head above water. Essential things for, for young folk in their age bracket that you, uh, you deal with are things like mobile phone and the internet. Are, are there concerns about paying for these uh, these bills as well? A mobile phone isn't a luxury. It's something that you need, again, thinking about finding work, finding somewhere to live, flat hunting. You absolutely need a phone. And we do. We hear from young people that have managed to borrow a phone or use public pay phones to contact us. And they found it really difficult to, to make any sort of progress, any sort of support that they may generally that conversation does start with okay how can i give you a call back and people can find it really difficult if they don't have those things so so yeah absolutely that digital exclusion is another factor people need to be able to access these services just to to be able to to live essentially if they're unable to use those uh, that digital service that would impact their mental health if they're looking for accommodation and jobs and keeping in touch with people must be uh, very worrying yeah people can be really isolated when they're homeless or facing homelessness. They don't have anyone that's around to support them. So many people we speak to are estranged from their family, so they don't have that family support in place. And yeah, people's mental health is really suffering at the moment. We're hearing more and more cases of people that are really distressed when they contact us. Unfortunately, we're hearing in some of the extreme cases, young people are self-harming or even feeling suicidal as a result of these financial pressures, not knowing where they're going to be able to live. I also read that last year, youth homelessness had reached a five-year high because of the pandemic. Are this year's figures expected to climb even higher then? Unfortunately, yes. I mean, pandemic was a really, really busy time for us. There was a huge demand for our services, but we're expecting a similar, if not greater, demand this winter, the cost of living emergency. See, it's, it's already kicking in. We're having a really busy year on the helpline. The demand is rocketing up and things are very much at crisis point. So you've seen an increase in calls to the helpline then? That's it. Yeah, we, we've had one of our, our busiest years. Yes. 
Is there any steps the government have taken to support young people during this crisis? There has been some steps. I don't think there's been enough particularly focused on young people, but certainly, importantly, things like the energy bill support that also applies to young people, and that is absolutely really valuable. That's something we do support. We are concerned about the level of benefits and how that hasn't yet been increased in line with this high inflation we're seeing. So we're very keen to make sure that is put in place to make sure that people aren't getting a real terms cut in their benefits. But again, also you know, comparing it to the pandemic, there was so much more support available for people in need around homelessness with everyone in, removing rough sleepers into accommodation, making sure there was a, a freeze on evictions. And we would also like to see some more of those types of measures to make sure that we are treating cost of living like the emergency it is. If any of our listeners are worried about this matter, can you give us the details of your helpline? Yeah, absolutely. So people can call us free from any phone on 0808 800 0661. And is that the best way uh, via the phone or is there any social media platforms people can contact you through? So if they're not able to reach us on the phone, we can also be contacted through our website at centrepoint.org.uk. And people can either email us for support or use our live chat service there as well. Paul Brocklehurst from Centrepoint talking there to Norman Wong. If you'd like more information about the work of Centrepoint, their website address is centrepoint.org.uk. That's centrepoint.org.uk. And if you're aged 16 to 25 and are homeless, org.uk. And if you're aged 16 to 25 and are homeless or at risk, you can call the charity free for help on 0808 800 0661. That's 0808 800 0661. We'll post all the details on Twitter at SundayReview107 or on Facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. Steam Lights is back at the Bluebell Railway. Samantha Day was at the launch earlier this week to find out more from commercial director Paul Ellie. So this is one of my projects, um, and this is the third year for Steam Lights. Oh, fantastic. I mean, I was here last year, and it's just amazing. It, it is. Really is. I'm so lucky to be invited to come here. Absolutely. It, it's our premier product, and, um, you know, it's fa family orientated and it is superb. It's better this year than ever before. Is it really? Yeah. I can hold you to that. You will. Absolutely. <laughs> it's it's going to be fantastic. How long does it take to go along the line? with all the like little deers and Father Christmas and all sorts of little things. How long does that take to set up? Okay, well, it's taken a whole week to set this up. Um, so we haven't, yeah, we haven't been running any trains for a week now uh, whilst we've been preparing for this event. So this runs from uh, this Friday, the 11th of November until uh, the 8th of January 2023. So I think there's 77 trains. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's a lot, isn't it? Oh, but, I mean, we're just looking at the lights here on the carriages, and it looks stunning already, doesn't it? It does. And, you know, the event is fantastic because uh, we switch the lights on here. Uh, we've got master of ceremonies, and, um, yeah, it's just such a fantastic family event. Oh, really? Great-grandparents, grandparents, well, parents, grandparents, I, aunts I, I, and uncles. Two little ones coming in a minute. They yeah. can't wait, but uh, it yeah. is certainly a family 
leaving. It certainly is, yeah. They're, that's our main audience. Now, do you have any anything else up your sleeve? Uh, well, we're also running Santa specials uh, from the end of November through uh, December. Um, and again, that always sells out, you know, in August. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting quick, isn't it? It is getting quick. There are a few tickets left here for steam lights during the week, uh, but, but mainly it's sold. All of it? Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's amazing. Oh, it is. It's something that, you know, obviously people just love it and come back and back. They do. It's, um, and we change it every year so that you can never get bored. Paul Ellie talking there to Samantha Day about this year's Steamlights event at Bluebell Railway. To see if you can grab a ticket, visit bluebell-railway.co.uk. That's bluebell-railway.co.uk. We'll post a link on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. Earlier this week on her Open for Business show, Samantha Day spoke to Camilla Slattery from the QVH charity about their Christmas fundraising initiative. QVH charity is the dedicated charity for Queen Victoria Hospital um, and we support the hospital um, with the things that are above and beyond core NHS services. Um, so we fund things like very innovative equipment, um, we improve patient areas um, and um, fund the, li the little extra things like toys and games for paediatric patients who are in. Who that really improves their patient experience and makes them want to come back. I'm the head of fundraising and I also um, head up the volunteer uh, area within the hospital. So it's a great role. I've been there five years now and I've loved every minute of it. It's just an extraordinary um, role and I've learned so much. It's a fantastic place. And you do quite a lot of different events throughout the year, I believe. So we do um, some initiatives. There's probably been less because of the last few years have been quite challenging with events. Uh, we're just about to launch our Christmas campaign, which we're really excited about. Um, I've been planning Christmas probably since about June. <laughs> <laughs> so it's lucky I love Christmas as much as I do. Um, but yeah, it's really nice to be able to share that. Um, so we've launched, um, going to be launching a virtual Christmas tree for our hospital and our community uh, where people can um, make a small donation or a large one if they want. Uh, and they can leave a message on the tree for a loved one or um, de perhaps dedicate a light on the tree to a, a particular staff or team at the hospital if they wanted to. That's got real meaning to it, hasn't it? Now, is this a lot different to last year's initiative? Yeah, so this is a completely brand new thing that we've done this year. Um, we've done, over the last few years, we've run what we've called the National Elf Service. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> which has been fantastic, but obviously it's been difficult to do things face-to-face -face and kind of on-site. So um, this is something that everybody in the community can get involved with. We know when we're out and about speaking to people about the hospital, how incredibly meaningful it is to people and how uh, how much people value the hospital and the community. And th this is a really nice way to be able to, to give back at you know, a really special time of year. The hospital is amazing, isn't it? It is fantastic. And yeah. what they do there and what they can do there. Yeah, and also just the care and um, compassion they have for patients, the expertise they have. Um, it's just a complete honour to work with the the clinical teams um, to learn about what they do uh, and when I came back from Christmas leave I met with two patients who had actually spent Christmas in the hospital um, being looked after and just hearing their stories of the kindness from staff 
kind of made Christmas bearable while they were away from their loved ones. Oh, oh that is just so nice. It's nice to be appreciated, isn't it? So the it staff, is. you know, they deserve this. Yeah, it's a really nice way. And I think for a lot of people in the community, obviously they visit the minor injuries unit. A lot of people with children often say that's where they've been. <laughs> um, so, you know, if you've had a good experience at the hospital, this is a really nice way to maybe say thank you and leave a little message, um, you know, for those who are there now, but perhaps might be working over Christmas. Um, we're planning to share all the messages with patients and staff. So, uh, it's a really nice way to put a bit of sparkle on people who were there over the Christmas period. I mean, it's not really where you want to be at Christmas, is it? <laughs> no, but um, it's where some people need to be. And it's important that we have, you know, the care there for them. And it, it's 24-7 all, all year round. So um, it's we're trying as a charity to do what we can to support the staff and just keep morale up. And, you know, I think that appreciation goes a long way. Now, it, it has been difficult, hasn't it, over the last few years hasn't it it's got difficult and obviously all charities are trying to raise mm. money aren't they and all for good causes yeah it's really challenging I mean obviously you know we're in a cost of living crisis everybody's feeling the pinch and um, that has a knock-on effect on how much people give um, and I think over the last few years we've we've seen a massive dip in income um, which we completely understand but obviously we're we're trying to come up with nice ways um where people can get involved and you can donate for as little as two pounds um and i think you know every little bit helps that's right it's <laughs> not a to steal a famous tagline but it it works here i think you know all these little donations they do amount to something that is significant and it does help us fund you know the toys and games for children we're just in the process of reviewing uh, virtual reality headsets for children and also for burns patients um, so that's really proven for uh, patients to reduce their pain. Um, and they, for the children, they can kind of play games and go on wild safaris and all this sort of stuff. And it just really makes a difference to their experience and how they feel about coming to hospital, which is so important if you need to keep coming back. Because a lot of people dread it, don't they? They dread having to come. But I guess yeah. when they get there and you're so kind and caring, uh, then they're, they're sort of put at ease, aren't they? Yeah. And we have a fantastic group of volunteers who are on site as well you know we have a, a great team on the main desk who are very welcoming and smiling and kind of try and put people at ease when they arrive uh, give them directions and just that whole uh, care and support throughout the journey for people when they arrive is really important. Are you normally looking for volunteers? Um, so we did we did over during Covid we um, we didn't have any volunteers on site but uh, we have returned all the roles now so um, we do um, we are recruiting at the moment uh, we have a couple of roles vacant so if somebody was interested listening in today and they think actually I'd like to give back something yeah then what how would they get hold of you so the best way would be to go to our website which is uh, supportqvh.org um, and there is a volunteer contact section there uh, and you can get in touch and find out find out about what roles are available and also the process for that and I guess they do keep sort of coming up don't they because you know people either move on or move away or yeah we we have a we've had um we don't have that much turnover actually we have a lot of volunteers who stay for a really long time and quite a few of our volunteers are staff members who have retired and then want to come back and still be involved in the hospital and and uh, which is really nice um so yeah that's another you know great way to give back but you know we hope that people will get involved with the christmas tree as well it, you know that 
it's uh, right. So let's go back to the <laughs> Christmas tree. <laughs> uh, right. So this initiative this year, how is it different from a previous year? So before we have encouraged local schools and um, businesses to get involved and maybe have a dress down day um, within the kind of national elf service. Um, so people can still do that. And we hope that some of the schools and businesses um, will maybe have their own Christmas jumper day or do a cake sale. Or what, Yeah, I think it's important that people do what, you know, what they like. Yeah. Um, so we kind of keep it quite broad, but the Christmas trees is a, a brand new initiative. And I think in terms of showing that appreciation, this is a really nice way of doing that because you can leave a message to staff, but also to a loved one, maybe somebody who's passed or a family member, or it could be from a business, you know, instead of sending Christmas cards, mm. you know, where maybe you choose to make a donation to a charity or support your local hospital. Um, so it, it's kind of open to, to, um, to everyone really. The website is www.visufund.com forward slash QVH tree. And that takes you through to the homepage of the tree. And then you can pick it kind of if you hover over the tree, it'll show you what lights are available. And it's all in different colors. And there's a star on the top <laughs> if you want to go big. Um, and then you click and you make your donation and then you can put in a little message and if you hover over the different lights, it will show you the different messages that people have left. So you can kind of see what other people have um, put as well, which is really nice. Um, I mean, it, it may look a little bit complicated, but it's not now you've explained it, it. It's not really. And I think for anyone who maybe doesn't want the virtual challenge, if you want to post in a donation with a little message and say it's for the tree, then we're very happy to kind of make that donation on your behalf and, and add the message to the tree if you're having technical difficulties. So... Um, if anybody wants to get in touch, then we're happy to help them. I love the little logo where it says donate, decorate and dedicate. That's exactly what it is. You make your little donation, you pick out your decoration on the tree and then you do your dedication. So nice and simple. And it'd be great if they did send messages to the staff as well. Wouldn't it, it would be amazing. It would be lovely. And, you know, as you, you, it can be to an individual. It could be to an entire team that may have supported you or, you know, what, whatever you want or to the whole hospital. Camilla Slattery from the QVH charity in conversation there with Samantha Day. If you'd like to donate, decorate and dedicate the QVH charity tree, visit visufund.com forward slash QVH tree. That's visufund.com forward slash QVH tree. Or for more information on the QVH charity in general, visit supportqvh.org. That's supportqvh.org. We'll post links to both on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. We've a new afternoon show on Meridian FM. Wellbeing Weekly is on air every Tuesday from 2pm until 4pm. On this week's show, presenter Carrie Overton spoke to Sally Ross from East Grinstead Runners to find out about how running can be good for your mental health. So East Grinstead Runners was started by someone with a massive interest in mental health. Right. Um, he worked as a mental health first aider and trainer 
um, and actually just wanted to get together like-minded people, mm. people who wanted to run for their own mental health as well as physical benefits just to get out there and look after themselves and their whole well-being. Um, but yet we've got mental health first aiders yeah. um, as part of the run leader team and actually pretty much everybody in the run group will have a chat with you about anything so you know if mental health breath. or not if they've got breath yeah <laughs> and if they haven't got breath they're probably going a bit too far <laughs> I know when I go running with someone else I just try and ask them questions so that they have to do the talking <laughs> not me exactly that yeah yeah it sounds really inclusive really encouraging and a you know a fantastic environment for people to start out with running so how long have you been a member so I've been a member for East Quince Runners for about 18 months now. Okay. Um, my journey with running started just before COVID. I actually did a couch to 5K course with Lingfield Runners, right. but then COVID hit and I couldn't carry on because I was stuck at home with my children. Yeah. Um, and then I saw the mental health run advertised about two years ago and I just went along with a friend. Um, I got her to hold my hand because I was really scared about going. Neither of yeah. us had run through the whole of lockdown. So we said, let's go together. And we really surprised ourselves that night and ran more than we thought we could because we were chatting and we didn't really notice we were running Um, and that was our first experience and we both joined the club about two months later when they ran another couch to 5k course we joined that um, you know and I've been with them about 18 months now absolutely loving my journey fantastic and talking about your journey I know I happen to know recently that you took part in your first half marathon which is amazing so so that's 18 months from starting to running a half marathon and yeah. how, how was that it was absolutely soaking <laughs> we ran in Richmond two Sundays ago and the rain oh. was torrential yeah. but yeah it was my first half marathon it was a massive achievement there was about 30 of us from the club yeah. um, we got a coach from outside the station at 6 30 in the morning drove up to Richmond and there was 30 of us that completed the half marathon together some first timers some have run loads before but I think it's important to say that actually East Quinstead Runners doesn't push you to do that I've just right. chosen to do that on my journey right. we've got lots of members who just come along to one of the club sessions just run 5k and for them that's exactly what they need and what's good for you know their health and well-being but for me I wanted to push myself and see what I could achieve so yeah my half marathon was 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 proud of that one and I'm not surprised that's fantastic and I I did see some of the pictures of people who'd run it actually and literally wading knee deep in water at parts so the towpath unfortunately had flooded which is quite common in the Richmond area but not to the depth we experienced so yeah we were running kind of mid-calf through water for about the last mile and a half of the half marathon but you know I'm never going to experience anything like that and it's one I will remember for the rest (laughs) of my life (laughs) yeah first and very memorable so yeah definitely so in that 18 months since you've joined what has been the impact for you of running and being part of the club I think just perhaps finding a little bit of my own identity again. You know, I've been, my children are kind of early teens now and I've been a mum, you know, for all of that time putting them first. And Mm. it's been a really good reason to say, guys, I'm going out for a run this afternoon Mm. and just to get a bit of mum space, a bit of head space and a bit of time to myself. Um, We sadly lost my sister-in-law five years ago to cancer. Mm. And that was the reason I felt it was important to look after my health Mm. first and foremost. Mm. But I didn't realise the emotional well-being benefits of running really mm. until I started I just thought I'd get a bit fitter lose yeah. a bit of weight and you know perhaps make a few friends along the way but emotionally what that's given me in the headspace has been phenomenal yeah I was going to say what are the benefits the main benefits of running for you 
I think for me, it's just having that space, the time out from family. And I don't think about anything once I start running. Mm. My head just clears and I never realised that would be such a benefit. But to come back with a fresh attitude, a sense of achievement, because mm. I've, I've run whatever distance it might have been at whatever speed. I just come home, my head's fresh and I can start facing whatever the challenges of the evening ahead. What do you think is the hardest part of being a runner? <laughs> Breathing. <laughs> <laughs> you know that first mile you know whether you're an ultra marathon runner or whether you only can run a mile the mm. first mile hurts and it hurts all of us <laughs> and we can't breathe but once you get over that first mile you find your rhythm you find your space mm. and everybody struggles with that first mm. five minutes of running that first mile yeah. but once you get through that it's it's great to be out and if yeah. you can't talk slow down there's nothing wrong with going mm. a bit slower and mm. having a chat with a friend what are normal sessions the usual sessions like how do they operate okay so we um have three club sessions a week there's mm. a tuesday night which is very structured will be a hills training session or a tempo run or something that our head coach tim will put together to really push people if they want to we have a sparkle run on a thursday evening now both of those tuesday and thursday night go at half seven from the station or perhaps sometimes from east court but we're always told where we're meeting um, and thursday night is a sparkle run it's much more social slightly slower only ever a 5k route around the streets of east grinstead or in the summer around the local fields and trails which is good fun and and then on a Sunday morning, we meet at 8am and we will go out and off road onto a trail run, which will be a minimum generally of kind of six to eight to 10 miles. The run leaders would tell us in advance how long the route is going to be roughly. But the beautiful thing is we never know where we're running. So the run leaders are in charge and off we go. So presumably you, if you know how long it is, you can choose whether that's run is for you. So exactly if you just that. wanted, so if somebody was starting running, from the sound of things, they'd go to, say, that sparkle run, first of all, and sort of grow their running from there before they went to the other runs. Is that right? Yeah. So anybody's welcome at Tuesdays and Thursdays. They do ask when you join the club that you are able to run a 5K. Right. Um, we run in kind of May time. The club, the club runs a couch to 5K course where you can learn to run 5K. And from there, then you become an automatic club member at the, the end of that course. And sparkle run is where you start out on a Thursday night. It's where you grow in confidence. But the, the more you want to run, the more you want to push yourself, Tuesday nights are great for that. And as you get better and you can run six, eight, ten miles, that's when you start joining in on a Sunday morning. But the beauty of the club is actually if you can't make those club sessions, you're part of a group of runners then. And quite often on our WhatsApp or Facebook group, we'll post up going for a run at 10 a.m. tomorrow. Does anyone want to join me? And often someone will say, yeah, I'm free. I'd love to come. So it sounds like you've made a lot of friends just from joining East Grinstead Runners. And I did the um, East Grinstead 10K back in October, which I think East Grinstead Runners organised. And yeah. it, I have to say, I noticed how friendly and welcoming and the, it was the support all the way along the route was amazing so you know it, it was a real credit to the club and I did say to someone I said please send my thanks on to them because it and you know it's nice to publicly say that because it was so well organized and so supportive and friendly so what's next for you Sally half marathons in the bag what's next for you well, very luckily or unluckily, I haven't decided yet. I got a ballot place for London um, Marathon in oh, wow. April 2023. <gasps> so the training starts here. Yes. <laughs> I'm at the half marathon point, so I've trained up to that stage, yeah. but I don't want to drop it now. Normally, perhaps for a, an April marathon, you might start the training kind of Christmas, New Year, but I'm going to keep going. I'm going to break the half marathon before Christmas and try and get a 14 or a 15 mile in before then. Um, and with the support of Tim, our head coach, I'm running actually with a lady I met at running 
running club, Natalie, who's my running buddy, absolutely phenomenal. Um, she and I have put together a running training plan, which our head coach is going to look over for us. And loads of the club members will support us in our journeys. Sally Ross from East Grinstead Runners in conversation with our new presenter, Carrie Overton. If you're interested in finding out more about the East Grinstead Runners, visit eastgrinstedrunners.co.uk. That's eastgrinstedrunners.co.uk. We'll post the link on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. And that's it for the latest edition. We've got all the information on the features you've heard today on Twitter at SundayReview107 or on facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. I'll be back on air next Sunday morning from 10am on 107 Meridian FM or on meridianfm.com or you can download the latest podcast. Until then, take care and have a great week ahead.